0: My name is Ben Force. I grew up in a very functional and um, I guess you could say like normal American Christian home. And then about a month after I got baptized when I was 13 and about the seventh grade, I think, I started feeling like these waves of depression come over me. You know, also growing up in the Instagram and social media age, I just grew up seeing these posts like romanticizing suicide and self-harm and all these awful things. So then I start trying out some of that stuff. I just went to a, a lot of my teachers and my weight training coach about how to handle all this and they basically just told me the, not necessarily bad advice, but not Christ-based advice of just work hard and you know things will turn out for you. And so then all throughout high school, I'm just basically living my truth and living basically in sexual sin. I was living like sinning was going out of style and going into my senior year my goal was to go play college basketball. When I start going out with this gal my senior year she starts telling me oh we should just go to a four-year together everything will be perfect everything will be all right and so then my basketball season ends my senior season's over. I just decided to take the easier route and I plan on going to central with my girlfriend still. I was basically on my last nerve because I was so suicidal because for two and a half years, my whole identity and everything about me was Ben Force, the basketball player. That led me to verbally abusing my girlfriend that day. A few days later, I get a text from her because she went on a camping trip and she just decides to break up with me over text. That then, That then led me to using nicotine pouches. Then I'm absolutely hooked on nicotine. I start drinking on the weekends with friends because I didn't know what else I was gonna do with my time in my life. I get sent home for the pandemic in March, 2020. The pandemic took everything away because I knew that hardly none of that would fly at my house with my parents living there. And so for me, the pandemic was probably the best thing that ever happened to me in my life, especially my spiritual walk because I was finally awakened again and it just took away the focus of nicotine, girls, alcohol, and marijuana. I remember crying out to God, please God, like change me. This is not who I want to be. When I quit nicotine, my like walk with Jesus, like literally, like just, it was like two doors just busting open. And I was just like walking through the door. And then I decided about a month after I quit nicotine, I said, you know, like if I'm gonna base my whole identity on you know Christianity, I'll just start reading the Bible every day. Slowly but surely, it went from pretty difficult to sit down with my attention span, being so used to just scrolling on my phone all the time and just playing Xbox all the time. It was so crazy for my att- attention span to go from so short to much longer than it was prior to being in the Word daily. Like it's no longer me forcing myself to get in the Word, I just know it's time to get in the Word today. And so it's part of my routine. I went back to working full-time for the summer, and I viewed that opportunity as like a way to minister to a lot of people, because a lot of those guys and girls and women in there that work there are smoking pot every day or they have a drinking problem. I would also wear like shirts that would say things like, ask me how God changed my life or ask me who Jesus is. And then also just like other faith-based shirts. And so they would always, like a lot of them would ask me And I would try to answer them as best as I can, even though I was fairly new to being full on for Christ. God literally took somebody that was just using all these things as my identity, you know, putting my identity in who I was as a basketball player or all those substances. And He takes someone like that and He puts him a year, year and a half later, two years later into full on ministry. If God can change my heart and my mind, From somebody that was just filling himself up with worldly and awful influences, I think that he can change anybody.
1: Amen. Good morning. I know what you're thinking that Pastor Peter's got a dynamite sermon for us today. That's what you're thinking. I love Ben's story. I appreciate it so much. Listen, we are trying not to find our identity in relationships with other humans. We're not trying to find our identity in our physical health, but we're going to find our identity in Christ. Amen? Amen. By the way, if you find your identity in your looks, you're going to be in for a long road of aging, all right? We find our identity in the Lord, and what a great place to uh, just hear that word. And I love it. Some people think, oh, this new generation, they don't believe that sin even matters. Isn't it great to see a young generation say, I know my sin matters, and I'm so grateful for God's forgiveness. Uh, Last week, we talked about sin matters. Jesus didn't die for nothing. Hello? Jesus didn't die for nothing. We are living in a world, listen, we are living in a world who sees no need for sin, and so they see no need for a Savior. If we deny that we have sin in our lives, why do we need a Savior? So we need to know that our sin matters, but that we have a Savior who forgives. God does love you just the way you are. Hallelujah for that. But it's even better than that. He doesn't leave you stuck the way you are. What kind of a God loves you enough to leave you stuck in your sin? What kind of a God loves you to let you just kind of slowly march into hell? Our God loves us enough to rescue us and forgive us and redeem our lives. I love what Jesus has done in our lives. So uh, Ben, thank you for challenging us and encouraging us with that thought. Let me remind you today that life is about relationships. We're not here to collect stuff. I'm going to challenge you this summer to make some memories with your family um, I don't want you to get to the end of your life and say, well, you know, I got a garage full of stuff. That's what I, that's what I did with my life. Listen, I, I do a lot of funerals for people. I talk to them before they die. I talk to their families. And what really matters is the relationships that you leave behind. Man, the people that know that you love them. So listen, collect memories, laugh, love, travel, bless others, eat together, uh, get out of the house, when in doubt, get up and go. But live your life, amen? And impact some other people around you. So um, today, I brought this uh, firework in with me today. And... um, I want to talk a little bit about fireworks today. Obviously, it's a couple weeks from the 4th of July. Our first outdoor gatherings in two weeks, uh, July 3rd, 10 a.m. And uh, by the way, if we have any uh, summer Sundays where it looks like it's going to rain, make sure you check online and see if we're going to move inside, okay? So for some people, they come at 9.30. They're just going to be early for the 10 o'clock outdoor service, all right? But if you forget two weeks from now, you come up at 11.15, you get zero credit for attending church. You're going to have to go home and get online, all right? So... um, When I was a kid, um, I lived like um, a mile uh, from the closest reservation that sold amazing fireworks. I mean like good fireworks. I went to like the fireworks stand that we had here in the church and I was like, there's not even anything illegal here. Like I don't want to buy this stuff. I mean that's what I grew up. Like all my friends from school, like they were selling stuff and I knew them and they give me deals. And so I'll never forget one time, one of my friends and I were both about 19 years old. Uh, we didn't have enough wisdom to catch up with our you know, excitement in life and our enthusiasm. And so some of you are not fireworks people. At that time, I really, really was. And so we went down there uh, to the reservation to buy fireworks. And there was just you know, lots of stands everywhere. And we go up to this stand, and I'll never forget it. Because my friend looks at the guy, and he goes, hey, uh, you got uh, anything more powerful than what you got here displayed? You got any M80s? Anything else? And the guy kind of does one of these. Like. And he goes, uh, any of you guys federal agents? <laughs> We're 19 years old with shorts and t-shirts. And I looked at the right, look, I'm not a federal agent. You a federal agent? I'm not. No federal agents here. He goes, all right, come on back. We go around the back and he like throws open his van door and it's like we're about to film Die Hard 2 right there. I mean, (laughs) it was, there was so much gunpowder in that van. All the 19 year olds are like, dude, this is amazing. I mean, he had ping pong balls, golf balls, tennis balls, a fuses sticking out of them. We're like, we want them all. We'll take them all. We're going to go, you know, blow up the, the hood. So we end up taking like, I don't know, 20 M80s or something. And we go back to my house. We find an old pot like you would put on the stove. And we, um, one of us would light the M80. The other one would drop it. We take off running. And it would seriously blow that pot like 100, 150 feet in the air. And it would make this giant loud sound. And I don't know why that was so cool, but that was really, really cool when I was 19, right? And so we blew all those things up and we had a lot of fun with that. In fact, some of my friends, we we get so used to the firecrackers that we knew, hey, there are some firecrackers that they have really fast fuses, but there's some you can buy that have slower fuses so you can light them and throw them. If you're an idiot... And, um, and so, you know, we kind of got used to that. But uh, about three months ago, I was, this phrase just popped into my head, and I really believe it's the Holy Spirit. I don't believe it's just from me. This phrase just came into mind, and, and I felt like the Lord said, I want you to preach about long fuses. I want you to preach to the church that we're not to have a short fuse when it comes to anger, impatience, and their driving. I just threw that last one in, all right? Getting a little quiet in here. I hope somebody at home's, you know. Listen, sometimes in life we walk around with a short fuse. It doesn't take much from your family or another driver or a coworker to set you off. That that you can respond in anger and rage and impatience, and you're going, wait a minute, I'm supposed to follow Jesus. And today what I want to challenge you to do is to not live your life with the short fuse. When someone cuts you off, wouldn't it be great if you're like, that's not going to ruin my day. God bless you. When the boss is a jerk and everybody else is wigging out, you kind of go, okay, well, how can we do what we need to get done here? I mean, when, when your family is difficult and you want to blow up or your mind begins to fantasize about, you know, the angry things or the things you want to say or do, or you begin to, you know, cuss people out in your mind. None of you would do that. This side of the room might do that. But... Instead, that you might lengthen the fuse in your life. Wouldn't that be great? That, that you didn't live your life constantly being set off so easily because you have a grace about you. Come on, you have what the Bible calls patience. It's a fruit of the spirit of people who have the Holy Spirit in their lives. Hello? Lord, help me to not be an angry person. Help me not to be an impatient person. But Lord, help me to develop a long fuse. So when things go really south and people are really difficult... That I don't lose my cool, and I don't disappoint you, God, in my life. If you have your Bible, you can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 25 as we talk about this today. Um, Not having a short fuse, but having a long fuse. Recently, I told one of my family members, I said, hey, just want you to know, I've got a really short fuse today, so don't set me off. That was a mature moment in my life. I get it that we want to communicate with people like, I've had a rough day, but if I've had a rough day, that doesn't give me any right to, to spew on somebody else around me. My circumstances don't need to hurt other people. And by the way, you don't want people walking around in eggshells around you. Stay away from daddy's He's had a rough day or or, you know, man, we don't want to be that person. Have a long fuse in your life, whatever it takes. So here's the question. Do you ever have a short fuse in your life? And if so, when is that? Do you ever have a short fuse? I'm going to tell you a secret about my life. I've said it before. When my body is constantly in pain and I have car problems, I have a short fuse. I don't know what it is, but car problems just drive me crazy. Like that's just one thing that's just like added to everything else. I do not want a car in my driveway that won't start. That, that just sets me off, and unfortunately, pain in your body is one too, and that's one that I have to deal with a lot, okay? Um, these are things that I'm aware of in my life that can really kind of shorten my fuse, and so I got to be aware of that and change that in my life. I think anger is an important emotion, and, and Jesus got angry, so we're all clear here that sometimes there is justifiable anger in our lives, yes? And we got to figure out when that is and when it's not. Today we're talking about what does it take, how much does it take to set you off, and how can we be people who are filled with patience and God's goodness in our lives. God doesn't want you to live with a short fuse. Some of you haven't been to church in a while, you haven't watched church online for a while, and I believe the Holy Spirit is just going to be like, this is the sermon you needed to hear today. You need to lengthen that fuse. You need to be set apart from the world. Don't just do what your flesh respond how your flesh wants to respond. And people here might be like, oh, pastor, this is so great you're preaching this because men really need to hear this, pastor. Men in those anger issues. Pastor, unbelievers need to hear about this message. They need, to, they need to stop having a short fuse. This is a message for everyone. Everyone. Does anybody know a mean lady? <laughs> careful, careful now. <laughs> don't, don't look at me like, well, I, yeah, I don't deal with anger. Like you're a human being. I don't deal with impatience. You're a human being. In fact, um, do you know what the, uh, the King James calls that word patience? The King James calls it long suffering. Woo. You have a situation in your life, where you're like, this has been a long suffering, God, and I'm about to lose it. Patience with others and in your life. Lord, help me to bring home a long fuse. Some of us, your job is so crazy that you need to actually like, take a moment and say, I'm not bringing all this stress from work and letting it hurt my family. Think about that. I'm not going to let all these financial worries hurt our family. Um, sometimes you have to stop and say, God, what am I going to do today to make sure I don't bring stress with me into the home or into this room or into this gathering or be with my friends? I want to change that. I want to have a spirit instead of patience in my life. You know, it's fascinating. We talk about margin uh, in money, like make sure that you give to God and then you save and you have some margin because tough times will come. And make sure you have some margin in your time. If it takes 12 minutes to get there, leave 15 to 20 minutes before you have to be there, right? There's this thing called traffic. There's this thing called construction. You know, there's this thing called like losing your keys and having to go back in the house and get them and now you're running late. And as we mature in life, we learn how to have margin in our, our finances and margin in our time. But wouldn't it be great if we had margin in our emotional energy margin in our emotional health that we have patience in our lives listen uh, when you grow up you realize that only you can provide margin for you no one else can do that so set yourself up for success little tip I want to encourage you this there comes a time in some days you go today is just not a great day today's just a tough day and so um, I'm going to spend the rest of today making sure tomorrow is a success have you ever done that like sometimes I would just say, okay, today's been rough and I'm going to go to bed in an hour. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make sure the kitchen is clean so tomorrow starts as a better day. I'm going to set the coffee. I'm going to lay out my clothes. I'm going to open up my Bible where I'm going to read it tomorrow. Because tomorrow I want to hit the day with success running. There's something powerful and just wise about doing something like that in your life. And maybe today's a great day to stop and think about how can I set up tomorrow for success in my life. First Samuel chapter 25 says this, David is a well-known man. He's been anointed to be the next king of Israel. I mean, Saul was anointed to be the king because the people all said, we need a king. And Saul's anointed the king, but he's insecure. He's not putting God first. And God raises up David, says, you're going to be the next king. And everybody knows it. And then David kills Goliath, and it gets worse because everybody's like, man, like David is even cooler than the king. He's even more powerful than the king. How many know insecure kings don't like hearing that kind of talk? especially in the day of an eye for an eye in those barbaric times and Saul begins to hunt down David his, his uh, successor to kill him and i don't know if you can understand this but could you imagine David's life like God anoints him God calls him the bible even says he's a man after God's own heart and do you know what it gets him like all of that heart for God do you know what he gets for that running for his life sleeping in caves with 600 barbaric men who are willing to be his buddies as he runs from 3,000 trained soldiers of the king. Can I just pause for a moment and say, I don't know how hard your life is, but when you're lying in a cave with like, 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 like 600 thugs that are supposed to be your buddies and your friends, and you're going, boy, the palace sure sounds really nice right about now. I mean, it's a hard life. And you've probably lied in bed at night and thought, I thought my life would be better than this. I thought right now that maybe things would be different than this. Can you imagine David going, God, you called me to be king. Samuel comes and anointed me king. But I don't know if that was accurate because why would I be sleeping out in fields running from the current king and all the soldiers? God, where are you? I mean, to, to understand the despair and the difficulty that this man of God is facing is incredible. It's hard for us to even fully grasp it. And the scripture says that Samuel dies, and David is on the run from Saul, and he's hiding out. I'm going to pick up in uh, verse 2, and it says, There was a wealthy man from Maon who owned property near the town of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and it was sheep-shearing time. It says this, This man's name was Nabal, and his wife was Abigail. She was a sensible and beautiful woman, but Nabal was a descendant of Caleb, and he was crude and mean in all of his dealings. A descendant of Caleb must be a great guy. No, not so much. Because every human being has free will to choose to be a great guy to serve God or not to serve God. You can be selfish if you choose to. You can lack generosity if you choose to. And Nabal seems to be one of those kind of guys. 3,000 sheep, 1,000 goats, a beautiful wife. But the scripture describes him as a foolish man, a, a selfish man. And so what happens in our text, verse 3... Is that David and his mighty men, in fleeing from Saul, they've been protecting people from raiders and marauders around them. And now David is asking for help. In this culture, this is a culture of hospitality, when someone comes to you and they say, listen, uh, we need water for our animals. We need a place to rest. This was a culture. You did that for people. You provided a barn. You provided a place. You provided some food if you could, water if you could. And watch what happens here um, as the whole area knows that David is living there and hiding from Saul. This is what happens, Verse, uh, I think, beginning of verse 4. When David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep, he sent 10 of his young men to Carmel with the message for Nabal. Peace and prosperity to you, uh, your family, and uh, everything that you own. I am told that this is sheep shearing time and while your shepherds stayed among us near Carmel, we never harmed them uh, and nothing was ever stolen from them. We protected you. So ask your own men, and they will tell you this is true. So would you be so kind to us, since we have come at a time of of celebration, would you please uh, share any provisions you might have on hand with us and your friend David? Ten men come and say, would you reward uh, the blessing to us? And of course, if he would do that, of course, they would again reward him, and it would be a symbiotic blessing relationship, which was expected at the time. Verse 9, David's young men gave this message to Nabal in David's name, and they waited for a reply. Ten guys show up at the wealthy landowner's house, and they say, we protected you. David is in need. You know the situation. You know he's the next king of Israel. Will you help us out? There's only one answer here, and it's, of course I will help you out. You've taken care of my family. You protected me. You blessed me. You're the next king. Of course I'm going to help you out. But we've got a foolish, selfish, ungenerous person. This is what it says in verse 10. Who is this fellow David? Nabal sneered to the young men. Uh, who does this son of Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants these days who run around from their masters. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I've slaughtered from my shears and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? Whew. There's just some stupid ways to respond in life, isn't there? And this is one of them. This is a time where it's an It's an obvious decision. And David and his men are in the area and they're in need and you're the guy that can help them and you say no. It's foolish, it's selfish, it's insulting. He insults them and his 10 men incredulously go back to David and say, we're not getting any help from Nabal. I bet you on the way back they go, should we tell him how, how insulting his answer was? Should we really be honest in what he really said? They go back and they tell him the truth. David is told what... Nabal says. So David's young men returned and told him what Nabal had said. And here's the answer: verse 13, get your swords. David strapped on his own sword, and 400 men started off with David. It's one of those moments in a brutal time of history where he said, You know, may God deal with me ever so severely if there's one member of his family surviving by tomorrow this time. That's just who he was. He set off. And church, I want to just challenge you for a minute. Maybe David doesn't have a, a long fuse at this moment. Maybe like he's tired of living with these barbarians. Maybe he's wondering, God, where are you at? Uh, maybe he's sleeping or not sleeping long nights on rocks outside while, while scouts are saying, Saul's coming from the east. His soldiers are coming to kill you. And he goes and asks for help from somebody who he has helped. And they respond with a giant, you fill in the blank. And David just doesn't have any patience. His anger is just set off in a moment. And church, is going to get ugly when we live our lives like this. David's living his life like this, and he's about ready to go bring his vengeance, not God's. Listen, do you know who David was known for? David was known for being a man who let God fight his battles for him. And he's decided, to heck with that, I'm going to fight my own battle. I'm gonna go off on this guy. And then everyone will know next time David asks for help for his men, give it to him. And he responds in immediate anger, immediate impatience with a short fuse. Something has to save the day, or someone. Abigail, the wife of Nabal, hears about what's happened. She knows David's coming. She knows he's a man of war. She knows what's going to happen to her family. And, and the scripture says, if you have your Bible, that she wasted no time and she loaded up loaves of, of bread and wine skins and, and, and roasted grain and clusters of raisins and fig cakes. Doesn't raisins and fig cakes sound great for lunch today? <laughs> Happy Father's Day. Here's a fig cake. All right, here you go. And a fruit cake tomorrow, too, right? But that's what they wanted. That's what they, ate. and sh- listen. What, a, what an incredibly wise woman that she loads up all this food and she goes and she meets David. Listen, you know what's on the line? That her sons and daughters were going to be killed. At least her sons for sure. And what she does is tremendously brave and courageous. And she, she goes to meet David because she's the one who can save her family. And she meets him and she honors him. She says, the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands and let all your enemies and those who try to harm you be as cursed as Nabal is. And here's a present that I brought you. Please forgive me if I've offended you in any way. She humbles herself. Listen, listen. women already know this, but I'm gonna tell everybody here today. She brings him food and she affirms the heck out of him. This is 95% of what it takes to get along with men in the world today, right? Pretty simple creatures, right? There's one other, but that's another sermon, all right? So, um... I just want to keep you awake and alive. Great. (laughs) Men are somewhat uh, easy to understand typically. But let me uh, read you a story I thought was kind of fun. Maybe you've heard it before. I think it's worth sharing. A man was walking along a Washington beach. He was deep in prayer. Suddenly the sky uh, uh, clouded above his head. And in a booming voice, the Lord said, Because you have tried to be faithful to me in all your ways, I will grant you one wish. Sounds more like a genie to me, but in the story, it's God, okay? So the man said, "Um, okay, God, build a bridge from uh, ocean shores to Hawaii so I can drive there anytime I want. Probably better gas prices in those days, all right? The Lord said, your request is very materialistic. I mean, honestly, this is an enormous challenge for that kind of undertaking. Imagine the support systems from from, uh, the bridge all the way to the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. The concrete and the steel it would take. This is complex. It would take almost every natural resource that, that the earth really has. I can do it, but I don't want to justify your desire for worldly things. Take a little more time. Why don't you think of something that would honor and glorify me? And the man thought about it for a long time. And finally he said, Lord, I wish that I could understand women. I want to know how they feel inside, what they're thinking, what they're communicating when they give me the silent treatment, when they cry, what they mean when you ask them for what's wrong and they say nothing, and how can I truly make them happy? And the Lord replied, did you want two lanes or four lanes with that bridge? (laughs) I'm just saying that that some are more complex than others, and probably the men would agree that we are a little bit less complex, right? Right. The Lord um, was with David, and David continually asked God, Lord, would you intervene in my life? If you read the Psalms, it's all about, Lord, would you intervene? My enemies, are so they surround me. Would you intervene? You know what it's about? God, be my refuge. I love those words. Lord, would you be a shield to me in my life? And Lord, would you be my shelter? My stronghold is not my money. My stronghold is not my physical strength. No, my shelter, my stronghold, my strength comes from the Lord. That's what David had decided. And then David thankfully listens to a wise voice. He listens to Abigail who has a long fuse when he has a short fuse. And it saves him from sabotaging his life, his ministry, his reputation, from having blood on his hands. And the Lord deals with Nabal on his own. Listen, I want to uh, pause for a moment today, and I want to give you six uh, words of wisdom. If we're going to have long fuses in our lives, and there's, there's six things, I just think they're practical things that I want to help you out with. So if you guys will go ahead and put um, those on the board. Um, let me just challenge you with these thoughts, and you can take a picture of this at any time if you'd like to. I want to challenge you with this thought. Would you pinpoint the source of your frustration? What happens sometimes in life is we walk around angry at the world, and we don't even know what it is we're really most angry about. Something might have happened at 8.30 this morning, and all day long, you've been frustrated and difficult to be around, and you don't even know what it is you're upset about. Anybody? And sometimes you're like, man, people are like, man, what's wrong with you? You have to stop and pinpoint, hey, what is the source of my frustration? Like, like I, today was a normal day. I was myself. What happened? What happened in third period at school today? What, what happened in that meeting today? When I got that text and I got angry, what Oh, pinpoint that source of your frustration. The other one, second one is this. Intentionally think about the things that are going right. Because it's easy to think about everything going wrong. You don't need help with that. But sometimes you have to call a timeout and say, you know what? I'm going to think about all things that are going right. What's going well in my life? I'm going to count my blessings, not just count everything going wrong. The Bible says it's really clear that you need to stop And think about things that are true and honest and trustworthy. You have to intentionally do that. The third one is this. Identify uh, what you do and what you do not have control over. Listen, do not let your boss or an uh, an enemy or a critic have control over your life. Sometimes you have to stop and say, you know what, I don't have control over that. I I can't change that and I'm not going to let it ruin my day. And just understand what you have control to do and what you don't. Number four, take, uh, talk out your feelings with someone you trust. Some of us, we are bottled up tight, and we don't have a person we trust to say, this is what I'm really going through. Maybe it is more men. Maybe it's not. We are, we are listen, let me just say this. You're a powder keg of emotions, and you don't have anybody you can really say, here's where I really am at. You don't have anybody you can be vulnerable with. Anybody you can share your dreams and your, your anger, your frustrations with. And be honest about it. Man, you need that to talk out your feelings with someone you trust. Because are you really going to live out the rest of your life just like a powder keg inside? I'm telling you, it's not worth it. There's somebody that you can talk to. There's somebody you can trust. Find that person. Play out the scenario. Uh, play out, watch the film in your mind. Man, when that person gets home, I am going to give it to them. When I walk into that meeting, they're going to, oh, listen, if you do that, what is going to be the consequences of that the rest of your day? Where's this going to lead if I give full vent to my short fuse anger? If Pastor Peter gets arrested for road rage in Seattle, that's probably not going to be a good thing. And probably not for you either. Where does, this, where does this go if I don't learn how to have a longer fuse? And then uh, the last one, what can you do today to make tomorrow more of a success? What can I do today to say, okay, today's kind of rough. Tomorrow, I'm going to lengthen tomorrow's fuse today in my life. I'm going to invite a couple of friends to come out uh, for a moment and help me out with the illustration really quick. And I, I hope this helps us as we walk through this. Thank you, guys. So... Um, Alex and Aiden are going to help me out with this. So let's just say that this is, this is your fuse right now. And let's say this is kind of short. Like I can stand in the middle and I can kind of hold both sides. Now, if we're going to live our lives differently than the world and we're not going to give in to our impatience and we're not going to give in to our anger and we're going to live differently, it's not going to be easy. But when we start to like do some uh, specific things, and by the way, you can add your seven, eight, and nine to this. But what if I pinpoint the source of my frustration? You know what? Where things got off today was this. And we identify that and say, Lord, I need to to go back and deal with that. When you pinpoint that frustration, it's like you take a step back and you lengthen that fuse. And then you stop and you intensely think about all things that are going right. Yeah, I could focus on all this negativity and all these things that people hurt me, but I got some good people in my life. I have some blessings in my life. And you take another step back. What do you do? You lengthen the fuse. And again, you identify uh, what you don't have control over. And you realize, I can't stop this. And you lengthen that fuse. Go ahead. They lengthen that fuse and step back. And again and again, talk out your feelings. Play out the scenario. Uh, what can you do today? And every time you do that, you take another step back. And all of a sudden, you've got this long fuse. And it takes more to set you off. Church, God wants you to have a long fuse. If you blow your top just the same as the world, where is the fruit of the spirit of patience and self-control? in your mind, and your heart. Let's be this rather than have short fuses. Thank you, guys. You can go ahead. You can give them a hand, by the way. I appreciate that so much. So I don't fully understand why three months ago I just felt like God said, you know what, you're going to have to challenge people. I want you to talk about having a long fuse in your life. Maybe you're hearing like, I know why, because I have a short fuse and I needed to hear that today. Um, I want to challenge you. Would you be different? Would you live your life with some patience? When you drive away from the church campus, if you're here live, I almost pray that someone pulls out in front of you. I just wanna see if you're still here or not. So today we wanna stop and say, Lord, I wanna live my life differently. I don't wanna be that driver with road rage. I don't wanna explode with anger on someone. I don't want to be impatient all the time. I want to be fun to be around, and I want to be hard for the devil to bring down. Would you bow your head to me for a moment? Listen, maybe there's a seventh thing for you, and you know it lengthens your fuse. Would you identify what that is for you? Maybe you're just not getting enough sleep. Maybe you need to say out loud, Lord, I choose to forgive. I have the power to forgive. And I'm not gonna let bitterness take a root in my heart. Maybe there's something on those six things that God says, no, it's time for you to actually implement that into your life. So let's do that in our lives. So, Father, right now in Jesus' name, we don't want to live like the world. We don't want anger to be the norm in our lives. We don't want to lose our tempers, raise our voices. We don't want thoughts flying around inside our head that are clearly displeasing to you. God, would you give us wisdom? Would you surround us with people who have long fuses and would you lengthen ours? And God, if we've been prone to be a person who loses our cool, would you help us to grow up no matter how old we are? And if other people have a short fuse and respond in anger, Lord, help us not to respond in kind. Help the way that we live our lives. Honor and reflect you. So Lord, today, as you lengthen the grace in our lives, the mercy in our lives, the ability to overlook an offense, Lord, make us hard for the devil to bring down. And we pray more and more, we be more like Jesus in every way. In Jesus name, amen amen amen. Now hold on a second because somebody might cut you off in the parking lot. I have three 16 year olds ready to cut you off out there. No I'm just kidding. Hey, um, if you want to get baptized in water we have a big special baptism coming up, and in two weeks we have outdoor services and because it's Father's Day, we have a big hunk candy bar for all the guys. You don't have to be a father, you don't even have to be a hunk, you know You don't even have to be big. You can get one as you leave. And if you don't get one next week, all the leftovers will be here around the church all day, and I'll be even a bigger hunk next week. So make sure you come and take yours when you take it. God bless you. Have an incredible day with your family. Have an incredible week in the Lord.